Well, week three in the Pac-12 non-conference slate kind of over-delivered with a couple of good games, but with week four looming, uh, we need to talk about who's feeling good right now. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I am your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team free, but until then, loaded and beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by a FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit Fandle.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Week 3 talk, week 4 talk, and a question about uh, a couple of the Pac-12 contenders that one of you sent in. So, mailbag always open, of course, YouTube comments or on Twitter. But week 3, I said going in, was indicative of an issue in college football. What I've always seen is the biggest issue in college football, a sport that I truly, truly love, in case that wasn't obvious, and that's scheduling. Because... We had seven non-conference matchups against Power 5 opponents in Week 2. We had one in Week 3, and that was one of the dud games of the weekend. Now, there were a lot of games that were, frankly, not that particularly interesting, which is why when I get to winners and losers here momentarily, there are going to be a lot of teams in the no-vibe category where everyone was a big favorite and they won big, and that's kind of what we expected to have happen. This was probably the most negative week, though, for some uh, for, for the Pac-12 on average in the winners and losers segment, which, for those of you who are new here, is an assessment of what I think the mood should be around a particular fan base, and your uh, mood label is not directly related, though influenced by your result from uh, the previous week. But it was Washington and Michigan State was the big game. That game was over in like 30 seconds. I, I mean, literally, I regretted taking the other side in the prime picks, which uh, definitely had their worst week so far. Hopefully the only one in four week of the season. Shout out Arizona. I, I, I think that it was just kind of what we expected right up until Pac-12 after dark. The only thing undefeated at this point in the season is Pac-12 after dark because goodness does it deliver. Cal and Auburn, crazy, ugly, messy, great game. Washington and uh, Michigan State was not Pac-12 after dark. But guess what? That's why Washington won big. But Colorado, Colorado State was supposed to look like Washington and Michigan State did. And guess what? It didn't. And the Buffs should have lost. But they didn't because they are, as we have seen, a resilient bunch and capable of winning a close, competitive, hard-fought game. So, uh, let's let's get into it. So uh, there are five labels for those of you that might be new here, listening to or watching the show. Winners, lean win, no vibe, lean lose, and losers on the week. Let's go with the winners category. The, the, the fan base that is feeling so, so good because of what happened last week, nobody is in this category. Well, Spencer, but teams won. Yeah, I know Washington won big. I didn't think they would win quite that big, but they did win really big. But being in this particular category is reserved for one of the high points of the season. Beating Michigan State was a really impressive performance from Washington. They get a lean win from me. And I think they're feeling good right now. And of all the teams going into Pac-12 play this week, Washington and maybe USC are probably feeling the best about their teams. 
They have left virtually no doubts. There was a bad half of defense from Lincoln Riley's team against San Jose State. They looked much better against Nevada and Stanford. They had a bye this past week, and now they go into league play as a 33.5-point favorite against ASU, who uh, we'll get to them a little bit later. So I think Washington has a case uh, as a fan base to be feeling the best right now. I think USC is certainly up there. Colorado uh, is in that conversation. But as it pertains to week three, I only have two teams in the lean win department, and that's Colorado and that's Washington. Now, Colorado, I could have adjudicated elsewhere into a different category, but I talked about on yesterday's reaction podcast about how there were more positives than negatives, though there were definitely some negatives for the buffs, which is that game should not have been close. Okay. A middle of the cup, middle to upper tier team in the Pac-12, though closer to the middle in Washington state, based on what we expect right now, though they're three and oh, and they've looked really, really good. They beat Colorado state on the road by 37 points. That's a lot. Colorado was favored by 24, and they should have lost the football game. Some cracks were definitely shown, but the ability to win when you don't play your best brand of football in a heated environment like that, yeah, I think there are more positives there. People are going to have some negative opinions about Colorado, and that's okay, because there is definitely questions, questions are warranted, shall we say, about the buffs of like, hey, um, you're a big favorite here, and and you, you barely won the football game. And like TCU, for instance, in week one was a big favorite against the Buffs and then they lost and questions were warranted about the Horned Frogs of like, uh, hey, just how good are you? Was this just a complete whiff on the betting line from Vegas? Was it a one-off? We don't know. We're going to learn a lot about Colorado this week when they go to Autzen Stadium to play Oregon. That's a really tough place to play. Oregon has looked good through three weeks. And boy, the hype machine around that game is going to be through the roof. Buffs are back to being uh, about a 20-point underdog this week uh, against the Ducks in uh, Eugene. I imagine a lot of you are going to take one particular side. I won't say which because I don't want to speak for you, but I have a suspicion. So the only lean win fan bases for me this week, which are the highest, and they're not even the highest of vibes. Like Washington is a you know half step above Colorado within that category, but Washington and Colorado lean win uh, because of how Colorado won, the fact that they were able to go down the field, that Shador Sanders without Travis Hunter still looks like a really, really good quarterback. I'll give him the lean win. Uh, no outright winners this week. That has just not been the case in the non-conference slate. It has not been this you know overall sense of negativity compared to what uh, we've seen in the last couple of weeks. But no vibe. Who's got no vibe right now of like, eh, did what you were supposed to do? Didn't have a reaction one way or the other. Just It just kind of went about your business. USC, they had a bye. You can be a lean win, by the way, after a bye. Because if teams lose ahead of you and you move up in the rankings, for instance, that could leave you uh, in a mood as a fan that is much better than what it was when Saturday morning began and college game day ended. So shout out to Lee Corso, by the way, for his 400th ever headgear selection. I've been watching those since I was five years old, and I love them every time. UCLA beat North Carolina Central, which is one YouTube commenter aptly put it uh, last week. That sounds like a fan site for the Tar Heels. That's a great comment. Uh, Whoever did that, I forgot to jot your name down. But if you're listening to or watching this, let me know because that was funny. Uh, Utah. I, I almost went with Utah and Oregon State into the lean-lose department, but at the end of the day, the final scores were roughly what you would expect. Plus, the Utes still don't have Cam Rising. That's up in the air 
as we look ahead to Saturday and they host UCLA, who we know have a number of healthy quarterbacks, um, Utah wins big, no big reaction there. Oregon wins big against Hawaii, as you should, 55 to 10. Yeah, that's what you should do. Arizona, shout out Arizona. Shout, shout out to you, Arizona. I almost had to come on here and go from 7-3 and three to under 500 on the year with the Pac-12 prime picks, which are definitely an outright loser this week. But Arizona saved my bacon, covering 17.5 against UTEP. Um, I'm feeling a bounce back this week, by the way. Stay tuned for that later in the week. Uh, Arizona, no vibe again. I expected them to win big against UTEP. I think I had it 38-10. to 10. They won 31-10. to 10. That's about what I expected to see. And I like seeing that from Arizona. They go to Stanford uh, to the farm this week, and they're 10.5-point favorites. They might win by more than that. Washington State blew out Northern Colorado. Thought they would, and they did. Oregon State. Oregon State's interesting. I I need to expand upon my thoughts with, uh, with, with Oregon State a little bit more. This episode of Locked On Pac-12 is brought to you by BetterHelp. You can give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash college and get on your way to being your best self. Every college football team is trying to be its best self. Every single week, you can do that if you give therapy a try. If you have too many thoughts in your head, can't wind down, dealing with something emotionally, whatever the case may be, if you think therapy can help, there's a really good chance that it can, and BetterHelp is the way that you should go. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash college today. Get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash college for 10% off. BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash college. Better help can help you. Second segment sips help me. I went back and forth on Oregon State because I watched them play a lot against San Diego State, and it was very uninspiring offensively. Defensively, it was a very good performance once again. They will be tested more than they have through their first three weeks when they play one of the marquee matchups in uh, the Pac-12 this week in Pullman against Washington State, a game we will be talking about a lot throughout the course of this week because it's an awesome game for many reasons. But the Beavs defensively against a San Diego State offense that has been pretty anemic all season long, and that's why I thought Oregon State would cover the 23, 24 and a half, whatever it was. I thought they'd win by over 30 points. And guess what? Defensively, they held up. Now, I have Oregon State in the no vibe category because they didn't play great football and they won. So when I expect you to win big, and you don't play great, but you still win by multiple possessions. That, that's about what I'd expect. I expect there to be a clear gap between you and the opponent on the other side. And that's what there was. But offensively, this was definitely the worst day Oregon State has had so far in 2023. They were sloppy. DJU missed some throws. It was just not a great day. Now, the mark of a good football team is being able to win. I've talked about this with Colorado. When you don't play your best football. Colorado hasn't played their best football in either of their last two weeks. They played a much better game offensively against TCU than they did against Nebraska or Colorado State. But to win those two games against the Cornhuskers and the Rams is indicative of the fact that they are, at the very least, a good football team. Now, a great football team doesn't have a valley that comes all the way down to allow for a potential upset against an inferior opponent like Colorado State, which is why I think Colorado is good, not great. For Oregon State, though, 
they can still be a great team in my view based on what we've seen because they didn't play a great brand of football but that game wasn't ever close San Diego State wasn't ever poised to pull the upset. They weren't a couple plays away. Like, they would get beyond the 50, and then the Oregon State defense would just shut them down. Oladapo's a playmaker. Trent Bray's a great defensive coordinator. They lost a lot this offseason. And look, we're going to have a good idea of whether or not, you know, the losses of guys like Rajon Wright and Jaden Grant and Omar Spates, whether or not that hurt them a ton when they play Washington State this week. If that game is, you know, 38-35, you might be able to ask a few questions about, okay, those preseason questions we had about Oregon State's defense. What exactly is going on here? And is this fixable going forward? But if it's another slugfest and it's 21-17, that's an explosive Washington State offense. I think Ben Arbuckle's doing a really good job as the offensive coordinator. Cam Ward looks awesome through the first couple of weeks. He played well against Wisconsin. He's been great the other two games. They've put up a bunch of points and they're just explosive because of his right arm and his mobility. So, and don't ever sleep on uh, Wat- Nikia Watson as, as their running back up there. So uh, just just back to the bees for a moment. I, I think that they are a really good team. And we will know more about them this week. Same thing with Washington State. I think the Cougs are far more proven because they beat a Power 5 team in Wisconsin, who at the very least is respectable. Oregon State thus far has had a pretty easy schedule. San Diego State has not looked good as a Mountain West team this year. They went on the road to play San Jose State. That's an average team in the Mountain West. And they played UC Davis, which is a good FCS program, but an FCS program nonetheless. So uh, I keep Oregon State in the no vibe department, but we'll see how things play out this week. Um, I, I I suspect I like the Beavs this week. I do. Uh, at this point in time, hey, that opinion could be subject to change. I might wake up tomorrow morning and decide, nope, don't like them. Never mind. Moving off of it. I like Oregon State, and I suspect they're going to be ready and bounce back, but I think it's going to be an awesome football game up in Pullman. Uh, last few things here. Uh, let's start with the lean-lose department. Should I call them my California Golden Bears? I don't know. What was that? I, I, I mean, what was that? That had the vibe as the game was playing out of ASU losing to Eastern Michigan at home last year which was not an FCS opponent, so this would have been worse. But Herm Edwards essentially, if they'd been on the road, didn't make it onto the tarmac, was told, we're going in a different direction here. Now, Cal figured it out, scored 31 unanswered points, actually covered the spread, which I wasn't able to see all week, or else I might have liked that for the Pac-12 prime picks, because every dayers know that I love Cal. But looking back on it, I don't know if I should have made that pick. Because Cal comes out against Idaho, a good FCS program at the moment. They made a good hire. They'd been down for a while. They're a good team. Okay, they beat an FBS opponent the week prior in Nevada, which is a low-level Mountain West team. Okay, so they're better than most FCS schools. They're no Sacramento State. Sorry, Stanford. But that was such an uninspiring effort. It was an uninspiring crowd at Memorial Stadium in Berkeley. And Cal just waited until they got down three scores before they started playing with urgency. That was a huge red flag. That was a major red flag for the Bears. And I, I, I wondered during the game, did that loss to Auburn where they should have won, did that just break their spirit? Is that what happened? Because, boy, that's what it looked like. That, that was an uninspired football team until they got down three scores and realized, wow, we don't want to lose this game. And then they stepped it up. The defense made adjustments, the offense, but uh, but I mean... Cal has a really tough schedule. 
I think even with the loss to Auburn, they're capable of getting to six wins, but not if they play anything like that. I mean, they play at Washington this week. Good luck. Good luck. If you come out that flat at all against the Huskies, why don't you ask Michigan State how that went? Because that's what it'll look like, is they'll just start chucking it down the field to any one of their three dynamic receivers with a great quarterback. That's what's going to happen. That that was a win, so Cal is not an outright loser this week. Um but certainly in the lean-lose department to me because that was just completely deflating to see that's what we needed to be an FCS program at home. And yeah, you'd like to have a bigger crowd behind you like you did the previous week, but fans being fickle dependent upon the opponent is not anything new. That shouldn't matter to the extent where you're down three possessions to an FCS program at home. That, that was really, really bad from the Bears. Uh, and finally, our outright losers this week. Uh, the Pac-12 prime picks, one and four. I'm at eight and seven on the year. So over 500 would like to have a bounce back week uh, of sorts. But I um, just counteracted my four and one start. I I didn't like the lines last week and I made all the wrong picks, <laughs> except for Arizona. I made all the wrong picks. So uh, down week there, Stanford. Oh boy. Did you guys see the play that Stanford lost on? Did you see it? I mean, oh man, so so many things so wrong with um, with what happened at the farm on Saturday. Look, I, I'm I'm not calling for Troy Taylor's job. It's early. He has a long rebuild ahead of him. I liken it to what Jonathan Smith did at Oregon State. His first year, they won two games. They were a terrible football team, and then they slowly got better. They're not going to bring in massive waves of talent. The Beavs don't do it now in the portal, aside from, you know, a guy like DJU. But back when they were building this thing up to what it has become, they weren't building, they weren't bringing in top-tier recruiting classes. They had a couple good players here and there, but they weren't going out and getting waves and waves of guys in the portal. It wasn't like that. That's what this is going to be for Stanford. They were my preseason pick to finish last. I thought they would win this game, and I thought it would be the last game they win. They, they, they might uh, have won their first and only game in uh in, in 2023, because that was, oh boy. Sacramento State's a quality FCS program, which is where their head coach, Troy Taylor, actually came from, ironically, and he wasn't able to beat them with Stanford. That's a testament to how low the talent level has gotten on the Cardinals roster, and it's going to take longer than it would at other places in today's college football world in the portal era to build that thing back up. But anytime you lose an FCS game, psh, yikes. That is a major, major Yikes, the big sky, just a thorn in the side of the Pac-12. Idaho almost got Cal. Sacramento State got Stanford. A couple years ago, Washington lost to Montana. Eastern Washington's beaten Oregon State before. Can't always sleep on those FCS opponents. Sometimes they're really, really good. Uh, One more uh, team in the loser department, Arizona State. Wow, uh, did I back the wrong horse in this game? You know, Kenny Dillingham said that his team fought, that they continued playing hard. If that's the case, I would have almost rather heard, um, as it pertains to Arizona State's prospect, to win another game this season. I would have almost rather heard that they'd quit and that they need to make some, you know, personnel depth chart cha- depth chart changes. Because if that was an inspired, you know, hard effort from the guys, yikes, major yikes. I mean, Fresno State went into Tempe. Ran him off the field. That was 
Supposed to be a close game. I thought it would be. I thought ASU could win. Turns out Oklahoma State's really bad. They got trounced by South Alabama out of the Sun Belt at home. And ASU is worse. So that's uh, not a fun, not going to be a fun season for the Sun Devils week in and week out. But that's what rebuilds are. Uh, you have to under, undergo some growing pains. There are no growing pains nor pains of any kind when you uh, try athletic brewing. It is a seamless transition into a quality beverage experience. It's time for our game-changing play of the week brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Shadur Sanders marched the Buffs 98 yards down the field and converted the two-point conversion to tie the game to win in double overtime, that changed the game and won it for Colorado. Yeah, Athletic Brewing in that same vein has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. I know, what a concept, right? Athletic Brewing Company makes non-alcoholic beers that are great tasting, award-winning, and beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. I have some in my fridge. I don't have as many as I did a few days ago. You know why? Because they're awesome. They're absolutely awesome. Fit for all times. No hangovers ever. You can find them in-store, online, and at bars around the country. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Near beer, exclusions, and conditions apply. Time for what is always one of my favorite parts of the show, the old mailbag, ye old mailbag, you could call it. You can be part of it too, YouTube comments, or hit me up on Twitter, at Smalls underscore 55, or at LO underscore Pac-12. DMs and mentions always wide open for you fine folks, who I very much appreciate supporting the show. This from Tyler. Spencer, what are your thoughts about playing football games on field turf or natural grass after what happened to Aaron Rodgers on Monday Night Football? So my understanding is that there are about 10% more injuries or there could be 10% fewer injuries when you are on turf versus on natural grass. So I asked a football coach about the, a college football coach about this uh, recently. And I was just asking him because I had this question in mind. And he said, when he gave me the 10% number, which is, you know, I looked it up and that's what it appears to be. My reaction to that is places that can afford to go to natural grass will do it. And the places that can't won't because 10% is not a significant, like let's say on average over the course of, um, you know, three weeks or whatever, 10 guys suffer an injury on, uh, on, on turf. If you go to natural grass, that number is now nine. Places that can afford to spend the capital, like the NFL, for instance, or major college football institutions might make that choice. I don't think it's going to become widespread. I, I think there, you know, there's, there's been in the NFL, it might, but I don't know that in college, certainly not everywhere. Are you going to see that, uh, that, that change take place at the power five level? Yeah, you could, but I think it'd take a lot of time. And, and I think there would have to be a lot more injuries. Turf is so much easier to maintain. Uh, and you know, these institutions, as we know, trying to make money and save money everywhere that uh, they can. We've learned that the hard way and not that 10% is zero, but it, I, I don't think it's significant, significant enough to where we're going to suddenly see massive change. 
All right. Uh, finally, this is from Michael. Mailbag question. Of the eight ranked teams, it's a great statement to be able to say, in a hypothetical world, rank in order which teams would be most negatively impacted if their QB went down with an injury. It seems to me that this year in particular, a few of the top eight almost completely rely on their quarterback for the team's success, not just offensive success. Curious to know who you would think would take the biggest step backs with an injury at QB1. Well, let, I'm going to go in order of least affected to most affected for the eight ranked teams. Least affected, it's either Oregon State or Utah. I lean Utah because I think DJU is bringing something to the Oregon State offense that was missing last year, and Utah has been able to make it work. But frankly, I, I'd go like 1A, 1B, least affected. Utah has been playing with a backup quarterback. They've beaten two Power 5 teams. They won on the road. They trounced Florida. They beat Weber State just fine. They're playing with backup quarterbacks right now, and they are the number 11 team in the country, and they should be. They're going to be favored against UCLA, whether or not Cam Rising ends up playing this week. So I'll go Utah 1A and Oregon State 1B. I think the next team on that list would be UCLA because if you lost one guy, they had a quarterback battle, right? Dante Moore's the best of the bunch, but Ethan Garbers is competent. He's capable. So he would be someone who... You know, if Dante Moore, that is, if he were to go down, there'd be a drop off. But what is the gap? You know, what's behind him compared to what they have there? That's kind of how I'm I'm looking at this. So uh, number three, UCLA. Number four, again, it, it's 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 tricky, kind of splitting hairs here. I'm going with Oregon. Ty Thompson is has looked better in the select spots that we've seen. The reason that I I take Oregon here is between uh, Oregon. USC, Washington, uh, Washington State, and Colorado, I look at, okay, who would be able to support a backup quarterback the best with a running game? That answer to me is Oregon. I think they have the best running backs in the conference. So UCLA three, Oregon four. Again, this, this, this gets very, very tricky. You're really getting into an area of splitting hairs. I'll go USC at number five. Because their quarterback, who's behind Caleb Williams, Miller Moss, is the most capable backup compared to the other ones that that, that we're getting into. I'll be honest; I don't even know who Washington State's backup is. I don't. Know, Shador Sanders is everything to to that Colorado offense. So I'll go USC five. Uh, I, I think Washington State six because they have such a strong defensive culture. They may be able to scrap together wins with with a backup quarterback in there. Uh, USC or not USC. Um, I'm trying to make sure that I, that, that I get everybody and such, but I, I think for, for Colorado between Colorado and USC, um, I think USC would be, would be less affected by it. And, you know, it, it comes down to USC or, or, or sorry, to, to Colorado and Washington for who'd be more affected if your, if your quarterback went down. I mean, it's a toss-up. Penix is so good. I think you have more receivers with the Huskies, so I'll say I'll say Washington at seven, and then uh, and then Colorado at eight, because I think that the Husky receivers would be able to at least help out Dylan Morris, who I don't think is very good, but you know at the very least is capable of of being competent. So 
I, I think that's, you know, and then, and this is a question that is an interesting one to ask because when you look at what, what each team has at the quarterback position, it's so good, right? I talk about it all the times the best quarterback conference in the country, bar none, but how many times do you see, I mean, Cam Rising is not going to play every Pac-12 game. I, I, I feel pretty confident in saying that given the nature of his injury and that we haven't seen him at all uh, at this point in time. Michael Penix is outstanding, but I think Ryan Grubb's a really good OC. I think Sean Lewis at Colorado is as well. And the question is, you know, what do you have behind Shador Sanders? I don't even know. And Dylan Morris, I mean, I've seen him win college football games before, but I also saw him lose to Montana. That was in a different offense. He'd have great receivers. So I, I think Washington 7 uh, and, and Colorado would would have the biggest drop-off. Not to say that they wouldn't all have some sort of drop-off, but they would definitely have uh, have have a have a drop-off there. So good question. Good, 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 good question. Um, Oregon State and Utah, though, definitely the most prepared to handle that. I think that's enough. You are locked on Pac-12. To click that. I just, I didn't mean to click that. I clicked on the wrong thing. So let's try that again. I appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, have a wonderful rest of your day.